Welcome to the Breakfast Leadership Show, where we interview global thought leaders on business, leadership, and life. Here's your host, keynote speaker, best-selling author, and chief burnout officer of the Breakfast Leadership Network, Michael Levitt. Welcome back. I've got Ariel Chemist on the line. Ariel, how are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much, Michael, for um, having me today. This is going to be an amazing conversation because of the pre-show we talked about a few things and I'm really looking forward to this. So why don't you share a little bit about you with the audience and we'll dive into this conversation. Absolutely. So uh, I'm Ariel Camus. I am the founder and CEO of Microverse. We are a school, a very unique, different school, completely online, remote. We have students in more than 140 different countries and we train people specifically to be able to work internationally, globally, remotely, so that no matter where they were born, they have access to great opportunities in life and they can contribute to the global economy. Um, myself, I was born in Latin America. I immigrated to Europe when I was a teenager with my family. I ended up moving to the US uh, with my first company at the age of 25. I lived there for six years before, before coming back to, to Europe. And you know, I, I, I've also spent some time teaching in Africa. I lived for a year in Asia. I got to see very different perspectives and I also get, got to experience the price of immigration that my parents had to pay. And, you know, connecting all the dots was very meaningful to me. And this idea that people don't need to leave their friends, their families, their communities to have better opportunities in life, to contribute to solving some of the biggest challenges that humanity is facing, to me, that's really powerful. And this is what, what, what I do uh, when I'm working on it's amazing work, and and you definitely touched a nerve with me because, you know, I live in Canada, in the United States, and you know, Canada has a huge, and there's been a proactive immigration movement over the last couple of decades, which is great because it's made our country uh, more fulfilling, exposed us to different cultures, amazing food, amazing skill set, amazing human beings. Uh, but there's a flip side of that. The, all the people that came to Canada, including myself, because I'm originally from the U.S., as immigrants, we left home. And you said creating opportunities, economic opportunities and skills and training where you don't have to leave home. Because I think if you talk to people, most people, if they were able to provide for themselves and their families where they're from, in all likelihood, they would be happy to stay. Yes, there's some countries that have some war issues and all of that, and there's always going to be those nuances. But for most, if, if they had the opportunities to be able to live the life that they want to live from an economic standpoint and just way of life without leaving home, I think most people would choose that. And I would. I completely agree with that. Like uh, the price of immigration is really high. Like uh, leaving friends, family, community, culture behind you, moving to a place where you know no one knows you, you don't know anybody, you don't have a support structure. Um, immigration, no matter which country we're talking about, it's always pain in the neck. Uh, I've experienced that in Europe. I've experienced that in the U.S. Uh, it's 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 intense. When I look back at the sacrifices that my parents made for me to be where I am today, I mean, I feel so much gratefulness because it wasn't easy at all. And then I got to experience that myself in the US and it was hard. So like, I absolutely agree that people will get, will prefer, will choose to stay where, you know, they feel supported. 
the reality is that people choose to leave because you know they feel like they're too limited in those places. Now, at the same time, when, when you emigrate, you have these people who are you know talented, who are talented, who, who have this drive, but they end up you know making money in other countries. They end up spending in those countries. They end up paying taxes in those countries. So that means they're not spending and paying taxes in their country. So like. It is contributing to you know a larger amount of concentration of wealth in certain countries. And you no, know, um, I personally believe that you know I want to help shape a more equitable uh, world because at the end of the day, we have these massive challenges like climate change that we we're discussing before, or you know curing cancer, space exploration, uh, COVID right now, right? Like and. These are by nature or by the nature of the stage where we are species, they're becoming more and more and more global. And when issues and challenges become global, the solutions are also global. We won't get to solve climate change just with one country kind of like championing and, you know, doing everything on their own. Every single country will have to come together to solve this. So when we have a world where people can contribute to those solutions from a more you know, equitable point of view, when they feel like they're contributing as equals, they're not you know, giving up more than the other, they're not the only ones sacrificing themselves, it's much easier that we can agree on contributing uh, to solving them. At the same time, when you keep people kind of, you know, now looking on, at the other side of the equation, if we are looking at a world where like everybody stays in their you know, little worlds, little, little cultures, and you know, everything else that is not your culture is bad, that's also bad because then you start like romanticizing on like, oh, what I have is the only thing that is good, right? And then we have very extremist, you know, points of views. So there is something in between these two worlds, something where you get to have great opportunities in life. You get to develop your potential. You get to contribute to the global economy. You get to contribute to a more equitable world, but also doing it in a way that exposes you to other cultures, to other ideologies, to other religions, to other accents. And that's what drives the empathy for you to want to overcome the inevitable challenges of multicultural collaboration, right? And at MikeFirst, particularly, what we do is we have created this fully online, fully remote environment where people spend eight to 10 hours a day, five days a week for a year, like learning from home in a highly collaborative environment with people from other hundred, more than 100 countries. So you don't need to leave your house, your community, your culture, but you're still being you know, engaged with other people from other cultures all day long, building that empathy, building those relationships. And we believe that's the best of both worlds. You don't have to pay the price of immigration, but you don't get to pay the price of you know, isolation. You get true diversity while still creating an equitable world. Uh, that's kind of the way we're thinking about this. I love that format. And another thing that you know you alluded to a bit too is when someone leaves, someone's really talented and they get the skills and they go to, let's say they're in Africa and then they leave for Europe or North America or some other part of the world, the country that they've left, their home, has talent loss that isn't being replicated because exactly. if they stayed home, um, if they choose, you know, obviously it's a free planet. You can pretty much go anywhere. Of course, immigration cost and time and all that, there's cost to it. But if you choose to stay home, then the work you're doing, 
you're in the community, you're talking with your your neighbors and your friends and your family. It's like, yes, I've, I went through this course and I've been getting this training for a year now and now I'm doing this and I'm you know making you know uh, money and I'm able to pay for this and do this and help out my community. And everybody's like, wow, that sounds like an amazing opportunity. And then all of a sudden you have a community that is reborn, upgraded, and creating a vibrant market, which, uh, and you said this before too, that helps eliminate these pockets of amazing opportunity and wealth. And then there's areas that are just in extreme poverty, evening the playing field for everyone to be able to prosper. Because I am a firm believer that there is more than any of us could ever possibly consume. Everyone should be able to prosper and live their life in what their definition of prosperity is. Some people have a variety of different opinions on that. And that's fine. They should be able to reach that level of prosperity that they want to do and have it where they want to be. And if it's home, awesome. If, you know, many of us, you know, are no bads and you know, we want to, you know, in your situation, you know, even though immigration's cost, you you got exposed to different parts of this world, which has made you you know, a, a more well-rounded individual, but that opportunity exists now with the technology that we're using right, right now. And the pandemic, the pandemic fast forwarded it. Cause I, I felt that we would get to that point where we would all work together in virtual type of situation across the globe uh, because of the opportunities there, but the pandemic kind of fast forwarded a lot of that work because we were forced to work remotely. And now that we work remotely, we're comfortable learning and being training and collaborating with our, our colleagues and friends. My brother, I'll give a real life example, you know, during the pandemic, him and several of his buddies would hop on a Zoom call, you know, every couple of weeks, you know, on a Friday night and, and kick back some adult beverages and, and just, you know, talk like they would be if they were sitting inside a pub somewhere. And it was the same thing. And, but they were able to have that camaraderie, which helped them from a social interaction standpoint, but also in just you know, being together. And I think that's, you know, one of the amazing things that you know, your organization is doing from a, a creation again, to, you know, to make this world better and address those big issues like climate change. We, and you said this uh, is we need everybody from across the globe to contribute to this. It's not going to be just one country saying, okay, we're going to just start using these types of cars and we're going to cut back on plastic usage and all that. Great. We do need to do that, in my opinion. However, one country isn't going to do make a dent in things. It's going to take all 180 plus Absolutely. countries to do it. And collectively, we start working together in the ways that we can do that. It'll make the earth healthier, which will make Absolutely. it better for all of us. Absolutely. I, you know, I always imagine, you know, I, I'm a huge fan of sci-fi and I imagine, okay, what if there was like a big, you know, alien invasion today, right? What kind of humanity will be well-suited to face something like that, right? Of course, that is so unlikely, but, you know, imagine if that were to happen. You can think of COVID like some kind of, you know, invasion in our normal, you know, global life. And the version of Humanity that is best suited for that is one version where like there is unified and well-aligned leadership, right? Making decisions in a harmonious, cohesive way, not, you know, uh, 220 countries each 
on their own, you know, some of them back channel with the alien, you know, species, the other ones trying to make peace, the other ones fighting them. So, um, again, I'm using this just as an example to show how the more that we evolve as a species, the more complicated the, the problems that we have to face become. And, and to me, I, I'm a very optimistic person. I feel like, you, you know, it's a world of abundance. And of course, it's much easier to say that from my place of, you know, privilege as a, you know, white man who was able to, you know, to live and get these passwords and all of that. But there is so much opportunity out there. There is, there's a few fallacies in the world that I think are, are hurtful. Like, you know, that uh, if people don't get what they want, it's not because it, it's not there. It's because they didn't try hard enough. And then as you, you know, travel and get to meet people, you get to see that it's not that easy, that, you know, opportunity is not just about objectively having access to something or being able to do something. You know, we are complex, you know, our psychologists are like complicated and um, there's a lot of things that are blocking us. Um, We are so conditioned by, you know, the kind of uh, environment that we were like born into, our parents, um, how they shaped our view of the world, the type of teachers and education that we have, the people that surround us, they define our subjective reality. So like sometimes it takes some external force to, you know, say, hey, wait a second, take, take a step back and take a look at this, right? And I think traveling has that potential, but traveling is expensive. You know, uh, there is a statistic that, that blew my mind uh, from the book, The Future We Choose, which is highly recommended, by the way, on climate change. And uh, the statistic goes that only 5% of the world's population has ever set foot on a plane. Five percent. I've been on a plane like three hundred times in my life, right? Like my dog has been on a plane two or three times so far. Like uh, that, I think that made me realize how how uh, privileged I am in my life. So I think that, as you said, technology has the potential to create experiences that give us exposure to other subjective versions of reality without the privilege of, you know, being born in a certain family environment, which will open our minds to, you know, say, wait, maybe I can approach this differently. And again, I'm saying this because access to opportunities harder than it seems like, you know, and by the way, we, we struggle with this in the sense that we offer our training at no upfront cost. Students don't have to pay us anything to join. They only pay if they get a high paying job after they complete the program. And many people in Latin America, for example, where our program works the best, you know, objectively speaking, the outcomes are the best. Um, people say, wait, that's too good to be truth. I'm, you know, and I've learned in my life that when something looks too good, there is something fishy behind it. I need to find out what that is. And I'm like, oh my gosh, why, why are we, you know, so I'm all saying this because sometimes even if you are really hard to show other perspectives, people are you know, it takes some effort to get people out of their comfort zones, out of their subjective versions of reality. Now, that's one thing, by the way. And, and then the other one, the other fallacy that I think it's important just to be aware of is that is this idea that, you know, this is a, a zero-sum game and that if other people in Africa, Latin America are getting jobs for tech companies, um, American people won't get it. That if American companies are getting this talent, then the Mexican government is, you know, 
um, or the Mexican companies are not getting the talent to drive the economy in Mexico, right? So like, uh, but at the end of the day, right, there are other benefits that are super important that you mentioned. Like when you stay in your country, like great people, if they need to emigrate to have better opportunities, they'll do it, right? So instead of fighting that, you can embrace that and say, okay, I'm going to facilitate the process of you having the best opportunities in your life, but I'm going to create policies so that, you know, I, we incentivize you to stay here, whether that's through taxation, education, whatever that is, so that you can inspire other people. And then eventually you can bring all the things you're learning by working globally. And maybe you start a new company where you end up hiring people from the U.S. that end up, you know, uh, paying through the world. I end up paying, you know, taxes here. So like there are, there is a different version of the world, but I think we are too close to the idea that it's us or them. And precisely, and I know it's much harder to do this when you feel like your job, your reality, your safety is threatened, but the best version of the future, the only version that is sustainable is one that is much more global, much more collaborative. So we do have a massive opportunity in Canada and the US to get a lot of the people who are feeling threatened into these new types of jobs that there are just so many of them because the world is becoming digital. Technology is devouring everything it touches, right? Like you can't I can't look around me and find any type of local business that is not dependent on technology to be competitive today. Whether it's like, you know, a small convenience store or the gym or the, you know, delivery guy, all dependent technology. So that is driving a massive need for people who have the skills to create this technology. And at the same time, creating technology is getting easier and easier over time because we have better tools and better technologies. Now, on the other hand, the traditional educational system is not being able to catch up with the massive increase in demand for this type of talent. And this is where like, you know, schools and my careers, a lot of the boot camps and alternative educational systems like come in. There's so much that you can do for free with online learning. We always encourage people to start that way. Uh, education is much more than, than just content for learning. It's also about accountability. It's about, you know, building connections, uh, that empathy that you create with other parts of the world through, through your connections and access to better opportunities through the connections. But, you know, there is just so much today. And I don't know if someone is listening to this and is in this position, but if you're feeling like, hey, I feel like, yes, there are better opportunities, but it seems really hard. Programming and these new technologies, like our new jobs, they are not for genius. Like you don't need to be a genius. You don't need to be like, you know, a, a math project, prodigy. Like, yes, like you need to be comfortable with some, you know, logical structured thinking, but most human beings have that. What we need is people who, you know, give it a chance. So like whatever you can do, even if you just have like, you know, 10 hours this next month ahead of you, and you can spend 10 hours doing on a very short, simple online intro to coding free course, that's going to open your mind to some possibilities. You might find it really exciting. And then there are many ways of not doing a four-year you know, bachelor's degree, but you know, a three-month, six-month, one-year-long program to get into this field. Like, there are a lot of opportunities for everybody right now. And in closing, there's something that came to mind that you'd mentioned uh, a few moments ago. It's uh, we got to move from the us versus them. We have to move to the world of we. 
And if we do that, that will make this world such a better place. So Ariel, I love this conversation. Where can people find out more about you and this amazing work you're doing? Uh, the best way is uh, Twitter. So uh, twitter.com slash Ariel Camels, my first and last name together. Um, uh, look forward to hearing you know, people's like, comments, ideas, thoughts. Uh, I'm there available for anything that I can do to help. That's awesome. I'll definitely have that in the show notes. So Ariel, again, thank you for being you and this amazing work. It's making the world a better place. So thank you again for being on the show. Thank you so much again for, for hosting me. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening to The Breakfast Leadership Show, part of the Breakfast Leadership Network. Visit breakfastleadership.com for tips on empowering your business and your life.